Well, folks, Gumani Gia Debsha Gulyar. It's Jerry Adams here. It's Easter Sunday. I took a, a walk on my only old just in these strange times down past the Republican plot and stood at the graveside of our fallen comrades and reflected for a, a few moments and paid homage uh, to them. So I would like to start this week's podcast with Kathleen Thompson singing The Boys of the Old Brigade and really this should be the boys and girls of the Old Brigade but let's sing boys and girls in our minds along with Kathleen and given there's such a brouhaha still going on about Bobby Moore's funeral let me just uh, dedicate this to him and to every other Republican and to every Republican family and our thoughts are with them all and particularly Teresa at this time. So Shane, Shaw, Kathleen, Egkanu, the boys of the old brigade. Oh father, why are you so sad on this bright Easter morn?
as I record these remarks, and I'll deal with this issue in greater detail perhaps in the next podcast, unionist politicians and unionist parties have been increasingly turning to the age-old tactic of talking up the potential for conflict and the alleged threat posed by the legitimate aspirations of nationalists and republicans as a way of preventing democratic and constitutional change. You know, the the plane of the Orange Card is older than the Northern State. It has its roots in the home rule battles of the late 19th century and the machinations of people like Arch Tory, Randolph Churchill and the Unionist business and landed class to defeat the Gladstone government's efforts to pass a series of home rule bills for Ireland. It was used again in the years leading up to the partition of this island and the creation of this dysfunctional, deeply corrupt and sectarian northern statelet. It was consistently used in the 1960s to stymie the desperately needed democratic, very modest democratic reforms identified by the civil rights movement. It was used to justify the use of sectarian violence by loyalist mobs and the RUC and the B-Specials against Catholic areas and communities in 1969. And during the more recent decades of conflict, time and time again we witnessed the leaderships of political unionism whip up unionist anger and loyalist anger and fear against any proposal that was deemed to threaten their political hegemony. This was the Orange State and in it, unionists had the right to walk wherever they chose to walk, to pass whatever laws they wanted without any concern for their neighbours and to use whatever means necessary up to and including state violence and collusion with death squads to impose their will. For some political leaders, it was and still is a zero-sum game in which they must reject any change, however democratic, however necessary, because they believe change threatens their dominance and their culture, as they put it. Now let's acknowledge change can be difficult. It's part of the human condition that, you know, we like certainties in our life, but there aren't any certainties in life except death. So between birth and death, we have to make the most of it, make it as good a place for everybody And that means changing when change is needed. No one is seeking to erode the sense of Britishness held by anyone in the North. (coughs) The English government's doing that on its own. And they constantly stab, backstab unionists when English nationalists are at risk. There's no one other threatening whatever people want to describe as their sense of culture. And certainly Republicans and Nationalists, United Ireland's are are not looking to put the boot on the other foot by treating the Unionists to the PUL community in the same way that we were treated. That's the road to nowhere. That's the road to ongoing conflict. What we do believe absolutely and without apology is the rights of every citizen is a right to equality the right to respect, the parity of esteem, and that that has to be accepted by everyone. The Good Friday Agreement, which a clear majority in the North and an overwhelming majority in this 
Ireland voted for in May 1998 upholds the right of citizens to identify as Irish or British or none. And it also asserts that the right of those who identify as British will be protected and defended in the event of constitutional change. Unionist leaders claim that they are Democrats. Well, the Good Friday Agreement and the constitutional and political change it contains were democratically endorsed in a referendum. Brexit was democratically rejected by the people of the North in another referendum. The debate on the unity referendum provided for by the GFA, by the Good Friday Agreement, is open to all. So my appeal to unionist leaders is to engage. Engage in the democratic process, open up a dialogue with the rest of us. And together, we have the wit and we have the intelligence to reach a new accommodation on the island of Ireland. And with a, with a wee bit of openness and with generosity of spirit, we can create a better future from the past that many of us have known. Now, just reflecting on other matters, 61 years ago this month, the South African police, acting for the apartheid regime, shot and killed 69 demonstrators and wounded almost 200 more as they protested against the past laws which were part of the racist apartheid system. The 1960s Sharpeville massacre, like Bloody Sunday in Derry, just 12 years later, reverberated around the world. It drew huge international criticism of the apartheid South African regime, including by the United, the UN Security Council. The British government, incidentally, abstained on that vote. And in 1979, the UN General Assembly agreed that a week-long series of activities would be held annually in solidarity with people struggling against racism and racist discrimination. On March the 21st was set, that's the date of the Sharpeville massacre, was set as its starting point. Incidentally, I remember well when we were faced almost nose-to-nose with British troops on the Springfield Road just above my home. Barney McLaughlin, the late Barney McLaughlin, said to one of the squaddies, come on, give us another Sharpsville. So this year, the, the theme of the International Day for the elimination of racial discrimination was youth standing up against racism. And the aim of the campaign is to foster a global culture of tolerance, equality, and anti-discrimination, and the campaign calls on each and every one of us to stand up against racial prejudice and intolerant attitudes. Despite these efforts, racism and tolerance are still very much part of societies around the world. Misogyny also is very much a part of modern life. The Black Lives Matters campaign has been very successful in drawing attention to racism, especially in recent years. And so has the Me Too movement, which has put a focus on violence and discrimination against women. The recent cartoon in the Independent, the Irish Independent, Sunday Independent, which depicted Uchtaran Hinn Fein, Mary Lou MacDonald as a witch, is just one 
deplorable example of that type of attitude, as well as the attitude and agenda of many of the anti-Sinn uh, Féin uh, across the southern media and establishment. Hate crime, intolerance and discrimination against citizens takes many forms. Violence against people because of their race or colour, their sexual orientation or gender, their nationality or religion or their disability is wrong. All of us have a responsibility to make a stand against these attitudes, whatever form they take. Irish Republicans believe that society must reflect and include the entirety of its people, not some of them. People have rights and entitlements. Their human dignity must be upheld and acknowledged. So equality is vital. Inclusivity is vital. And there's those who will say, well, look, I don't, I, I, I'm not racist. I'm not intolerant. Well, then, what's your attitude to the traveller community? There are deep divisions within Irish society. Colonisation, the partition of the island, the periods of intense conflict which resulted from it have created and deepened these divisions. Foremost among them is the right of the people of the island of Ireland to self-govern and to make and take maximum control of our own lives. A second crucial challenge is posed by political and religious discrimination. As the debate increases around Irish unity, so too must the debate on building an inclusive and reconciled society. Reconciliation and healing must be at the heart of the transition to unity. But they cannot be a precondition for achieving it. As part of our desire for a greater understanding of the issues involved and of the measures needed to confront sectarianism, Sinn Féin this month commenced an internal dialogue on inclusion and reconciliation. Declan Kearney, Conor Keenan, others in our leadership are holding online conversations in the coming weeks with activists across the island to examine what practical steps are required to tackle sectarianism and provide for a reconciliation strategy. Among the contentious issues that will be discussed will be the role of commemorations, the legacy of the past, as well as examining the function of political institutions, political leadership and policy, and community and civic society. So as a discussion on a unity referendum, on the unity referendum, and a united Ireland increases, as new ideas and proposals emerge with increasing momentum around the shape and the form that that new Ireland will take, we need the most informed debate possible. Everything should be on the table. Everything should be up for discussion. That's the way forward. And finally, in my last, it was actually St. Patrick's Day podcast, I reminisced about my Uncle Paddy and his book of Joyce's place names. And Luke Cullinan from the west of Ireland contacted me with very welcome news of a link to electronic versions of these wonderful books. Their proper name is the origin and history of Irish names of places. Published in 1910, the author is Patrick Weston Joyce. 
They are in the University of Toronto collection, which can be accessed online. And the digitizing sponsor is MSN. So if you have a graph with the names of our townlands and the other places, you will find Mr. Joyce's research very interesting. Goromila, my ugat look. Just top in the origins and history of Irish names of places and take it from there. And finally, finally, the recent United Ireland Easter egg and Bruntonus Mall in the Casca was a great success. The problem was there weren't enough of them. Now, we knew that from the start, but I made the mistake of saying they were available only in Belfast. And that angered some of our non-Belfast Easter egg lovers. I should not have mentioned Belfast at all. Instead, I should have said limited availability. Fact is, we did distribute to other places from Dublin, across all of the six counties except Bermana, because no one asked for one, as well as Leinster, Dublin, South East Ulster and Louth. So well done, RG, and well done, me. Now, this was always going to be a tester and a teaser for next Easter. And on the basis of the current and ongoing interest, it is a success. Getting a United Ireland Easter egg is like the search for an All-Ireland ticket. The Country J, next year we will do a big United Ireland Easter egg extravaganza. In the meantime, we'll intensify our Uniting Ireland activism. So have a good Easter. We're an Easter lily. Honour our patriot dead. And once again, as has been the Hobbit recently, we'll go out with Kathleen singing The Four Green Fields. Banakti, Nakaska, Divsha, Gulyar, Goramilama, Ogov, Nakarja.